With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, Purple Daily on draft. Every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Through planes, trains, and automobiles, Tyler Fornis is back from Mobile, Alabama. He was telling us how uh, fun the connection flights are to get all the way to Mobile, Alabama, as one can probably attest. Miles has also had been, has been through that game, uh, too. So, Forno, you were able to get there. You had to sit on tiny planes. I know you're a bigger man, too, so sitting on an airplane, two different planes, stuck in layovers, but all for the show, all for the sake of Purple Daily on Drafts. We appreciate your sacrifice uh, at your local airplane and airports. Hey, you know what? Uh, glad to do it. I'm going to have to um, file an expense report with Phil for traumatic uh, <laughs> traumatic experiences having to uh, be crammed in those tiny planes. So hopefully that process is through. But it's it was a it was a really good time. Nice man. Well, yeah, we're we're going to make this episode kind of Senior Bowl uh, related and whatnot. So we're, we'll we'll dive right into it here. We'll also get to a mock draft uh, later on in the show. Uh, so Forno. I guess let let's start here. What was maybe your first just bullet point main takeaway? We can start with an individual if you want. You can start with a position group if you want. What was your number one takeaway from the Senior Bowl uh, from from last week in Mobile? Number one takeaway. Uh, I'm going to be honest. This offensive line group is dope. Uh, this offensive line class is one of the best in recent memory. You could have 11 offensive linemen taken around one. It's that kind of quality and guys that you would take in round two normally would go round one just because of how deep the class is. And when you have a deep class, like the Vikings took Stefan Diggs in round five Diggs doesn't fall to round five in a normal year, but he does in an elite wide receiver year. And obviously Diggs had his own issues with his draft profile that helped him fall to that spot. 
But when you have a glut of talent, guys fall not because they should, because there's too many of them. And some teams just don't want to take that position regardless of the talent. So there's just a glut of really good offensive linemen, including a a Georgia State kid named Travis Glover. And there's an incredible story behind that that we'll get into in another day. But just some awesome talent. Talise Fuaga from Oregon State looked really, really good. Jackson Powers Johnson looked like he could have been the best player on the field the day and a half that he was at practice before suffering uh, a re-injury that kept him out the rest of the week. Like This is just a really, really good group and an interesting group because there's guys who have all the tools but haven't quite been able to put it together, like a Patrick Paul, who's got over 36-inch arms at six foot seven. But the technique is just wild and inconsistent. This offensive line class is going to be very fascinating to see how it falls. I think Fashani and Alt are one and two with a bullet. And then three through eight could go a million different directions based on how teams see these guys and how they ended up testing and measuring. Because some of these guys haven't been measured yet. And I'll say this. I remember last year, Makai Blackman, Vikings third round pick, was taking 83 spots higher than, nor- than he was on the consensus board. And I think offensive line is going to come off the board in a similar way in the cornerbacks last year. The way I relate it, the Vikings wanted a feisty press man corner. So they took him. Mm-hmm. But when you have guys in a similar bucket, they're going to be viewed so wildly different by teams. And then in turn, they're going to be viewed wildly, wildly different by the media. So a team that wants press man corners, like the Vikings did, are going to value Blackman a lot higher than a true cover three or zone corner. And even though the zone corner might be a better overall player on the, on the board, the fit doesn't make sense. So they get knocked down a little bit on a, like a team specific board. So I think that's how offensive linemen are probably going to come off. It's just going to be a pick your flavor and who knows what that flavor is going to be at certain spots. And that, I think that was my big takeaway. Offensive line, very good. And it's something that the league desperately needs more of. So, I, I mean, Miles, I'd be pretty shocked, obviously, if they went offensive lineman in round one, just given a lot of other immediate needs. But, you know, Garrett Bradbury is still signed, but it's still obviously not like a, a groundbreaking or, or world-grading center. They need interior help in the, on the line. How much should the Vikings prioritize kind of grabbing one of these guys, like Forno was saying, where maybe it might be a reach to the board, but at the same time, if it's a fit and style guy that they like, maybe on day two, or day three of the draft, how much is interior line or just offensive line in general going to play into the Vikings draft plans this year? Yeah, I think it's going to be a big one because I think they're they're really hurting at depth as well. I don't think it's just about needing future starters. You're hurting at depth. Whether it's you want, you plan to move on from Bradbury in a year or after this offseason, who knows? Uh, Ed Ingram's kind of been up and down, hasn't completely proven himself, and they don't have a current starting left guard. So, and you lose uh, your, I think your offensive tackle depth is pretty weak. You know, Quesenberry's a free agent. Uh, is Brandel back? I I don't know if, I can't remember if he'll be back, but. He's a restricted free agent, so okay, we'll see so what the tender ends up being. He'll be back, I would assume, in that case. But at the same time, like, it doesn't mean you, you shouldn't be planning for future depth. So there's a lot of future and current depth that they need, not just starters, but depth as well. So I could definitely see that playing into their, into their, um, into uh, their plans. Um, I think day day two, late day two, early day three, they don't have a lot of draft picks right now, yeah. especially in the top 100. They only have two top 100 picks. So the one thing that we've seen them do, just like they did, uh, like Forno said with Blackman, they traded back last year and took Blackman at the last, at the very end of, of day two. They did that same thing with Alexander Madison uh, a few years ago at running back. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if they had guys bucketed 
in a similar range, but you have a lot of them because it's a deep class within that position group where you drop back a few spots, gain additional capital, and still get a guy within that window. I think that's a very common thing that we see teams do. Um, And and like I said, we've seen the Vikings do. So that could be something that we could definitely see. um, And O-line being uh, one of those pieces that they really feel needs to be fortified or at least depth and competition fortified. Do you guys think, Forno, do you think they'll bring back Dalton Reisner? Like even even at the least, just like as a depth guy, do you think Reisner's back with the Vikings in 2024? I, I honestly don't know. It all depends on what his market was. And uh, the one interesting element to this conversation is last year, Reisner talked about, hey, I'm going to hold out for that deal because he believed he was worth more than the offers he was getting. Well, he held out enough and the Vikings paid him a prorated, uh, like maximum value $4 million contract, I think, uh, the final numbers like from what he got was around 2.6 million. But end of the day, it, our team's going to really want to jump out and get Dalton Reisner. Uh, it's actually a relatively decent interior offensive line group on the free agent market. And Reisner's around like fifth, I think, uh, according to pro football focus, like that's fine. But how much are you going to be willing to pay that guy? Mm-hmm. Is that guy going to be worth $8 million? That's going to be the question. Uh, the Vikings weren't going to be willing to pay Ezra Cleveland that. Yeah. They told us so when they traded him for his, uh, the first pick in the sixth round. And are they going to be willing to do the same with Reisner? Like, I don't think Reisner's a better football player. I don't necessarily think he's worse either. He is on the, in the same bucket. He just has different strengths and weaknesses than what Cleveland had. And I think that ability to not be able to climb to the second level with any form of consistency could hinder that. But he's also really close with the offensive close with offensive line coach, Chris Cooper. So who knows? Um, I wouldn't give him too much money, uh, but we'll find out. I'd, I'd lean towards him coming back though. When it's all said and done because of that relationship. All right. Fono, who, who disappointed you uh, at, at the senior bowl? Who, who was someone that you really had maybe higher hopes or maybe just in general, didn't have high hopes, but just didn't, didn't live up to billing and maybe their draft stock took a little bit of a tumble. Well, let, let's talk about three guys and, uh, look, the obvious one here for me is Bonex. And yeah, there was some praise for Bonex. He did have a much improved day three. He threw three touchdowns in team red zone drills. But the same things that hindered him on tape hindered him all week. Decision making, being able to cons- utilize good footwork, clean footwork with any form of consistency. And quite frankly, a- there were accuracy issues. You can look at the number where he set the NCAA record with like 77 point something percent doesn't necessarily translate. You have to watch the film and you have to be able to contextualize. Hey, why is he accurate? Where is he accurate? And where isn't he like those issues still were persistent. I still have him as a fourth round grade. I don't think I'm moving off of that. And some people thought he had a really good week, but overall the quarterbacks were pretty disappointing. Like it's a very, very, very difficult uh, thing for quarterbacks to be able to go into mobile because there's so many extra variables. You're not throwing to people that you know, and it's just a weird environment for quarterbacks to look really good. Uh, another guy that I, I thought was really disappointing was Devontae Walker, North Carolina wide receiver. I He kind of gave me DK Metcalf, Marquez Valdez-Scantling vibes where he's really good at go deep and he can run like that bucket of four routes, but he really can't turn. And I mean, doing so, like it makes him completely one-dimensional. And I'm like, okay, how much is that going to matter? Because it didn't matter for DK. It matters a little bit with Valdez Scantling, but you're not talking about an elite level receiver. You're talking about a good complimentary piece. So it's fine. But Walker was getting some first round buzz, goes into Mobile, 
really can't run routes with any kind of effectiveness and had four drops alone on Thursday's practice. You can't get away with that. And then he goes into the game and drops balls. It just an absolutely brutal week for him. And the last guy was uh, Penn State cornerback, Kalen King. I don't think King won a single rep at corner. And they're not designed for cornerbacks to look good in one-on-ones. If you look good, you really stand out. And that's where Quinion Mitchell, the corner from Toledo, did. He lost one rep, and it was to Roman Wilson, who's arguably the best player on the field in Mobile. But King just is probably his own cover three corner, just could not, with any form of consistency, win anything. And it was a really big disappointment for a guy who some people thought could be a first-round pick going into the year. Uh, Those were the guys that really just didn't look like they had it. And uh, they were also three guys that a lot of people were hoping were going to have big weeks and really cement their draft stock and boost it. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Miles, do you, is there cornerbacks that kind of fit with Flores also, by the way, sticking around here, it looks like, now that all these coaching vacancies are, are basically sewn up and Flores is going to be sticking around. Are there targets maybe that were at the Senior Bowl or just in general that would fit into that scheme? Because, you know, Forno's saying some cornerbacks might disappoint here and there. And then there's also there's certain fits that Flores really likes here, like, right? He likes having also just guys like Josh Metellus that can be Swiss Army Knives. They play more than just what their position allows. Are there targets at the Senior Bowl that you were kind of looking at or wanted to see something of that maybe would be good fits for Brian Flores and the Vikings defense going forward? Well, I'm assuming he'll probably be in Forno's like, guys that, that performed well list, but Quinian Mitchell, like uh, everything I heard, I obviously wasn't down there, but as the clips and, and the things that I ha- saw and heard, he, he he seemed to be the standout, like the true guy that really cemented himself and catapulted his, uh, maybe from just a media standpoint, maybe the NFL, like this is the, always the difference is like media versus NFL. NFL has a lot more book on these guys. They've, they've had a lot more info going in and a lot of reasons why some of these guys make it to the senior bowl and to some of these all-star games is that the NFL is asking for these guys, but um, he's the guy that really seemed to propel himself, whether it's in the first round day two, for sure, if not first round um, um, area. So he was the guy that for me, that kind of has that like long range. Um, you could ask him to be a press man corner. You could maybe move him back if you need to, but he seems like a versatile type guy. Maybe not, maybe not to the vers- versatility in terms of going and play nickel, but I think for sure a, an outside guy that you're really looking for. And sorry, you hear my kids in the yeah, background, okay. so apologize to anybody else. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of that going on. Um, but I think Quinny Mitchell was that guy. I think he really seemed to be the the one. What I want to know, maybe to kind of piggyback what Forno was saying for some of the guys that disappoint, I think the one thing going into practices that people miss is like, what are these guys being asked to do? What are they being coached to do? And what changes are the coaching staff being like? Because you know when coaches get their hands on players, they want to see if guys can do certain things. I want to know like what some of those like techniques, some of the calls, some of the like overall uh, things that you ask a football player to do at different positions. Like, what are these position coaches asking from these guys that they weren't seeing on tape or they didn't get a chance to see on tape that maybe these guys were working on throughout the week? And I think that's something that we don't really have get privy like insight into, but it's always something to think about because like when it comes to practice. The idea of a practice is to learn on and, and to practice mm-hmm. different different things. And so I'm always just curious, like, what were guys like King, 
you know, Bo Nix, what are those guys being asked to do that were different than what they were asked to do in college? And did mm-hmm. it did it work in the classroom, but it didn't translate to the field or vice versa? Maybe sometimes guys are just better on the field, but they're not always getting it in the in the classroom. Like there's a lot of that stuff that goes on that I think we we are not obviously privy to, but it's always something I think about, you know, someone that, you know, I've been in I've been in the meeting rooms, I've been in been on the practice fields and things, just kinda like certain coaches want you to work on certain things. And sometimes it works. Some of those, some days that first day you're like, Oh man, I'm killing it. I'm it's, it's simple concepts. You're like, I can go full speed. But then as the week progresses, it gets a little harder because they're adding more and more to the mix. And then you're like starting to slow your game down because you're thinking too much. So, and maybe it's vice versa. Guys slow, they start slow and they speed up at the end. It always makes me wonder just like some of those conversations I'd love to have with, you know, with the players and coaches down there just to kind of see what they were seeing. Cause that's why I think Forno, Forno hears things like, um, there were certain people that thought guys had better day, days and weeks a week last week than like the media thought. And I think some of that plays a factor in there that we just don't, we're not privy to as much. And to kind of piggyback off that, like Quinya Mitchell at Toledo almost never played press. And that was right, a really right. big question mark coming in for him. Like, hey, can this guy play press? And when you watch that, uh, that defense, it's a lot of like the old, old Syracuse defense. And obviously like kind of the three, three, five was really built in Syracuse with Rocky long and he played off coverage almost exclusively goes down to mobile and it's just an absolute monster in every facet. And he, he potentially could have made himself the top 15 pick and cornerback one off the board. I probably not going to have a CB one. I think that's Terry and Arnold for me with a bullet, yeah. but very, very good football player. Who's got great instincts and the patience, like guys were trying double moves on him. And he was just keeping his his feet fluid, not over committing, and just staying with the receiver. And it was it was a truly a sight to see. All right, Farno, who, who are some other uh, winners from the Senior Bowl that you liked? Who are some other winners that uh, that stood out to you individually? Uh, let, let's talk about former Gopher Austin Booker, the Kansas Edge, and I, I kind of compared him to Gregory Rousseau because if you remember Rousseau a couple years ago, talked about hey, this guy's a first round talent. Well, he played less than 600 snaps and you really just didn't know if there was any really track record or tape to be able to kind of make that judgment. And I was a little leaner on him. I think I had him as a, as like a a second round pick. I I just didn't have the confidence that he was really going to be able to make that jump based on the information we had. It was a a ball of clay and Booker is a similar mold, but he wins differently. He's much more athletic and explosive than Rousseau was where Rousseau was kind of winning mainly off of power and being able to stack and shed defenders while Booker was torching offensive tackles with some of his pass rush moves. It was, it was a sight to see. And we weren't just talking offensive tackles. We just talked about this offensive tackle class being really, really good. So he was beating really good linemen. And that stood out to me in a massive, massive way. I thought Booker, you know, I was hearing he could potentially go from like 25 to 40. Uh, and if he goes top 40, wow. that's a massive, massive win for him. Um, I do want to talk about Spencer Rattler, the quarterback. People are going to look at his time in Oklahoma and be like, okay, that ended incredibly poorly. And then he goes to South Carolina and struggles. He played behind an offensive line that featured me, Declan and miles. Like that <laughs> offensive line was just not good at all. And o- Odie agrees. He's, he's whining about how Spencer Rattler just got creamed behind those guys. And, you look at all those factors and then you look at the arm talent. Then he goes down to mobile and has the most consistent week of anybody. 
And yeah, he had a really bad interception on day two where they, they starting too high and they, they do cover one robber and the robber just gets the pick. He just doesn't see him. That happens every once in a while. But when you compare it to the rest of the week, Rattler looked really good. And I think the uh, league is going to be a lot higher on him because of the arm talent. And they're going to really contextualize the situation that he had to deal with playing at South Carolina. And I think he could end up going round two. I, that might be a little rich. I, I would still guess he goes on day two because of just the immense talent that he does have because it's just absolutely blatant. And then the last guy I want to talk about Missouri defensive lineman, Darius Robinson. When I watched his teammate, Ennis Rakestraw jr. He popped consistently. I'm just like, who is this guy? He's just making play after play after play. And then he go down to mobile. I talked to him just a super nice guy. He just loves ball. He, he plays all across the line. And he's got over 35 inch arms. This dude gives me some JJ Watt vibes. And let me kind of explain what I mean. He's got very similar size, very similar build arm length and the ability to win at a three technique, four, I five technique and out wide. So when you talk about usage and versatility with the frame, it's very, very similar. I don't think he's at a level of what JJ Watt is. But if you want to bring in a guy that's going to be that type of player, that archetype, Robinson is a five tech in this defense would be phenomenal. And there's Odie chewing that, chewing that squeaky toy. Well, how, how about on Spencer Rattler, Miles? Is Spencer Rattler someone like with Combine 2 coming up, Pro Days coming up? Um, is he someone that might actually end up shooting up draft boards or shooting up his prospect ranking just because of the raw talent? And I know things yeah, didn't go well for him in college, but he was a highly touted recruit. But because there's a lot of tools there, it seems like he might be someone that could really just up his draft stock despite a kind of shaky college football career. Yeah, I mean, I think it's clear kind of the the things we were hearing about him going into the Senior Bowl is he's probably rated higher from the league than than he was going into the Senior Bowl. And I think the Senior Bowl might have just helped like rectify that for the league. So, yeah, I think he's one of those guys because of traits, because of those things. A lot of things that he did, he was willing and able to overcome. Sounds like maturity. Maturity was a pretty big issue for him coming out of high school, like inflated head. A lot of those things we saw. I think we all saw it on the Netflix QB1 series. Like young kid, had a lot of cockiness, like needed some maturity. Like that. that's okay. Like that happens. He seems to have hopefully gotten past it. It seems like he has. Sounds like the, the guys at uh, not Oklahoma, but like South Carolina really liked him. He was a, a good leader. And, and, and so I think, yeah, I think that the traits that he has, the strong arm, the maneuverability, he, I think there's like that, like Baker Mayfield, this ness to him, yeah. um, to his game. And I could see the league kind of seeing that as well. I, again, I don't see him as a first round pick, but I think he could, he could play, definitely be put himself into that day two range where a team's like wants to wait on a quarterback. Cause maybe they have a veteran or, or they want to, you know, just develop somebody behind that, that starter. And he could be that type of um, opportunity, kind of like that, kind of like what we saw Dorian Robinson Thompson, Dorian Robin, Dorian Thompson Robinson, Robinson. last year. Um, but I think Rattler maybe has a little bit higher of a, a opportunity to go a little bit higher in this draft than than we saw DTR did last year. So um, I, I see a lot of that. He's got athleticism. The arm is outrageous. Um, I think I just think the arm talent in itself is something that the league's really going to fall in love with, and they probably did down in in, in Mobile. So. I think the um, combine could really only help him, especially if he if he runs pretty well too. All right, Fono. Uh, what, what else? What else in that Senior Bowl bag uh, that we haven't gotten to that maybe you wanted to to share with our audience or things that just stood out to you as well uh, from last week? Talk receivers, Roman Wilson. <laughs> uh, uh, Roman Wilson was uh, probably the best receiver, but uh, as far as the performance, but the best receiver in Mobile is Lab McConkey. 
and you hear the name Lad McConkey, you're just like, oh, that that dude's a CPA from New York. No, <laughs> this dude can flat out ball, and he was getting separation consistently. He was doing it with technique and explosiveness, and he's a little smaller. He's uh, just over 5'11", 185 pounds. And whoa, 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 I, whoa! A little smaller. That's like my. That's literally that's, like me. That's that's yeah. yeah. Well, he's a little <laughs> small for a receiver. So, that, and when you look at some of those factors, I thought it was really impressive. Right away on day two, first rep, he gets blown up, just at, physically destroyed, and then he came back. He's like, okay, it was almost like uh, a puncher just getting uh, hit right in the head, and he's like, all right, now I just have to adjust my game, and he did. And he showed some growth from that. I thought that was really, really impressive. Florida's Ricky Pearsall looked the part. He looked the part so much. He actually dipped after day two of practice. And I think Pearsall could have cemented himself, potentially even going top 50. I think he is almost a guarantee to go on day two at this point. Um, Xavier Leggett measured in at 6-1. That was kind of expected, even though some people were a little surprised by it. I thought he was okay. I didn't think the guy that we saw in film who could really break away with speed in the open field really showed himself. Uh, he also was not uh, a benefactor of really good passes thrown his way. Uh, it's that deep element to his game really wasn't on full display, partially because of that. And when he did get those opportunities, he didn't come down with the ball. Um, but the one guy I want to focus on before we kind of move on, New Hampshire running back Dylan Lave. That dude is a running back who also is a wide receiver. Mm. And people talk about Christian McCaffrey being this true dual threat. People talk about how they would, how that Christian McCaffrey gets used the way Labe actually gets used. He is actually used as a slot receiver. Uh, there's a game from 2023 against central Michigan. He got 12 passes for about 300 yards. Like dude was catching slot fades. He was catching outs. He was catching hitches, goal balls, running a full route tree. And I asked him about it. Like you don't see running backs get cross trained like that. That's, not something that you normally see with any form of development plan. Like what happened? They told him one spring practice. They're like, look, you, you already know how to be a running back in this offense. Go learn how to play in the slot. So he did. And that uh, allowed them to take things to a different level in that offense. I think lobby could have potentially made himself some money and moved up to day two, but I think he's probably an early day three pick fourth round feels about right because of what his skill set is. And I thought, like FCS, you always question, hey, how athletic is this guy? Is he actually fast enough to be able to thrive in the league? And I thought he was. And I thought he acquitted himself well enough to be able to go in that early day three and maybe late day two range. Like if the Niners want to use another pick on a running back in round three, feels about right. Miles, Dylan Labe as like a day two, day three pick, who is this clearly like, yeah, the Fornos point, this honestly like wide receiver running back hybrid, or would you rather see them just like take one of these true wide receivers that you'd like to see them take and just get a legit another complimentary piece, just more weapons in this Vikings offense? Which path would you rather take if you were the Vikings GM? I mean, I've always loved the versatility at running back. Like I was a big proponent when Curtis Samuel was coming out of letting him stay at running back and kind of be that like Christian McCaffrey type. Now, obviously he was able to turn into a receiver and kind of be that guy, but uh, be more of that than a true running back. But I, I've always loved like that versatility, a guy that can really truly catch the ball and run run routes out of the backfield. I think like that Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, that type, that archetype, that Aaron Jones archetype is some of my favorite type of running backs in the league. Um, so I, w- I wouldn't hate that type of scenario. As long as he doesn't wear number 40, I'm good with it. Because I think that wasn't that, that, that was his number. Um, yeah, it was. I, I, I just can't do it. But, you know, otherwise, I, I like him. I think that was, a, that'd be a, a good pick, especially on day three. But 
you know, I mean, I'm always going to choose wide receiver over running back. I think the Vikings need to do something to fix their running game, but I don't think it's like truly has to be about finding a different running back. I think they got to figure out their scheme. Yeah, I think they can improve at running back, and of course, but I don't know if if he's going to do that. I think he'd he'd be a really good complementary piece to kind of what they have. But um, I'd always choose the the additional wide receiver uh, who can make that true impact because we have guys walking out the door. Brandon Powell, KJ Osborne. I would assume Powell will be back, but you still need additional depth there. And I think mm-hmm. they just need a, another guy that can kind of stretch the field and do be a little bit more versatile than than what they currently have. So I think they could use that uh, other receiver probably slightly more than running back, but I still think they could find a way to take both, uh, uh, find both uh, on day three. You always want to do this mock draft here from Lance Zerline. Should we get to this mock here? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Let's, let's get a little uh, little mock draft action. All right. All right, this is from NFL.com. Lance Zerline, of course, uh, he did a 1.0. This is his is first one of the year. Huh. First, uh, first mock draft from Lance Zerline. So mock draft 1.0. Just one rounder, by the way, just a one round mock. So uh, let's take a look here. You even have some trades that are projected in that are very interesting. So, first two off the board Caleb Williams goes the Bears at one, but Jaden Daniels goes the Commanders at pick two. Any chance that Jaden Daniels actually goes above Drake May in your guys' mind? Yeah, I, I do think there's a chance. And uh, one thing that Lance said on the Move the Sticks podcast over the weekend was that he heard from the all too dangerous anonymous scout that Drake may could fall in the draft. Like you have to take these things with a grain of salt because there are people who want their narrative out there. You have to look at it like politics. If a Republican or Democrat is spinning something a certain way, well, there's a reason why they're doing it. What is that reason? And you have to think critically when then hearing some of these things that may be a Viking scout. It may be a Falcon scout who wants him to fall in the draft because Hey, we want him on our football team. That's right. So it, it, some of that noise just needs to be taken with a real grain of salt. And I think May could still go number one overall, even though everything I heard in Mobile was that it's Caleb Williams. And I, I don't think like it feels like that that's pretty much done, but you just never know with any yeah. of these things The Baker Mayfield wasn't the first overall pick until about 24 hours before the draft. So Keep everything in a fluid vacuum. You just you just really don't know. But yeah, there's an absolute chance he could fall. Okay. Couple well, res- in that case too well, in that case too, Jane Daniels, maybe maybe that's a like the commanders with now getting Cliff King, yeah. Kingsbury, maybe he likes his fit within his offense a little bit more. Maybe not. I don't know. But you know, I know Kingsbury likes that dual threat. You know, he had Kyler, he's had um uh Patrick Mahomes, like I know Patrick Holmes is I don't, not your true definition of a dual threat, but a guy that can do both. I think I think May can too, so it's not that. But maybe they view you know the both true skill set that Jane Daniels has as a, having a higher ceiling. Who knows? Well, uh, run on wide receivers is so easy for me to say. At three and four, Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Patriots, and then Roma Dunze to the Cardinals at pick four. So two quarterbacks, two wide receivers, which then means there's a projected trade here. So the Chargers trade their fifth pick. With the Falcons, so the Falcons move all the way up to five, and that's where they take North Carolina quarterback Drake May. So Drake May falls to five here. Falcons trade up. I would assume if they would they were to do this, I don't think they signed Kirk Cousins in free agency. Could be wrong. They could still have Drake May there in the wings, maybe. But if that mm-hmm. was the case, I don't think it's Kirk Cousins then trade up to get Drake May, right? No, probably not. And yeah. I do think the. 
the idea of Marvin Harrison Jr. going at three or Joe Alt or Olu Fushanu, like those are real possibilities because the infrastructure right now in New England is really, really poor. And you could make a really good argument that taking the quarterback now doesn't make a ton of sense because you're not putting him in a position to be successful. You still take him if you believe he's that alpha, if he's that, excuse me, franchise changer. But make an argument that you need to build up the infrastructure a little bit around him before you go get that guy. So it's not an impossibility that you see a quarterback fall out of that top three. Well, and I also think, too, with how deep this offensive tackle and wide receiver class is, it might be good for the Patriots to move back. You know, whether it's the Falcons, the Vikings, the Raiders, whoever's willing to go give them a future first-round pick or whatever it is to get to three, like that could benefit a team that truly needs more swings and and more high-end draft capital that they don't have. So if they don't want to go quarterback, that could be a scenario that they consider as well. And then a couple offensive linemen uh, next after that. So uh, Fuaga goes to the Giants at six, Joe Alt to the Titans at seven. Uh, the Chargers, who traded back with the Falcons, take Terry and Arnold, a cornerback for Jim Harbaugh, at pick eight. Malik Neighbors goes to the Bears at pick nine. So they get their quarterback with future in Caleb Williams and a really good wide receiver prospect in Malik Neighbors. Now all of a sudden the Bears are building something that could be a legitimate threat in the NFC North. Uh, Jets at pick 10 take J.C. Uh, is it Latham from Alabama? Latham. Latham from Alabama. So more offensive linemen which means the Vikings are finally on the clock at pick 11. And in this mock draft from Lance Zerline, the Minnesota Vikings select edge rusher Jared Verse. He writes up, uh, Zerline that is, that the Vikings have a big free agency decision looming at defensive end, and I see an explosive Verse as the best option at a position of need. Just of note, J.J. McCarthy, the next pick, goes to the Broncos at twelve. So how do we feel? Jared Verse goes to the Vikings at pick 11, but J.J. McCarthy goes to the next pick, uh, the Broncos, at 12. Look, I, I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest. I'm not the biggest fan of Verse in this spot. I think I think you should probably go a little bit later in this class. And I relate Verse a lot to George Karloftis a couple years ago. There are going to be people that love, love, love his game for the little things, for the ability to uh, utilize power. I don't think he's just this all-impressive, great athlete. And I think there are some limitations that are going to hinder him, which is why I have him just a little bit lower, still first round grade. But I think that kind of range is what you're going to see with verse across the media. And I have Trap Robinson as edge one. I'd take him here over verse, but I do think verse is a really quality player. I just don't know if he's ever going to be that edge one that you really, really need, but he'd be a great compliment to Daniel Hunter and the McCarthy thing. You take him if you think he's the guy and you don't think twice, there is no, price too big to pay if you hit on the quarterback uh like there just isn't like then we <laughs> let's be real so like if, if you trade like six first round picks and the only way you can do that is if you have two in three consecutive years uh and justin jefferson maybe that price is a little bit too high but if you find the next mahomes or the next josh allen doesn't matter you found him now now you have things made a lot easier for you Quarterback hides so many weaknesses and you put a quarterback in this offense where you already have Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson, Darisaw, O'Neal, a creative offensive minded head coach. Who's a really good play caller. That's a good infrastructure to come into. So if the Vikings want to take McCarthy at 11, I think it's a little too high, but if it hits, who cares? doesn't matter. Take your shot. If you really believe he's the guy, but yeah, I, I'm still going to bang the, the table for chop Robinson, even though, 
I feel like that the media is a little bit lower on him than I am, but that dude can play. So don't kill me for this uh, idea here, because I think this exact situation played out on a live mock draft sim that I did with Mackie and Judd on Purple Daily, where the Vikings are on the clock. All the good edge rushers, defensive linemen are still on the board. Like Byron Murphy, the second, goes the Raiders at 13. Latu goes the Saints uh, at 14. Dallas Turner to the Seahawks at 16. I'm just saying, if you're going to take a defensive lineman or an edge, I would entertain a phone call or two just to move back a couple spots. Just a couple spots, right? And still maybe get the guys that you're looking at in Dallas Turner or Byron Murphy. Would anyone be opposed to that? Miles, would you be opposed to that if you indeed were going to go with the defensive lineman and there's already going to be a run on them and you can still grab one of them in a couple picks before that? Would you be okay with that potential trade? Let me let me argue one point. So if J.J. McCarthy's there on the board mm-hmm. and you pass on him, I my only question is, like, if Kirk Cousins, let, let's just play the hypothetical, like Kirk Cousins in this scenario, if you're not going to take McCarthy of 11 or t- try to take a quarterback in the first round, you Kirk Cousins would have to be locked in for multiple years, and that's like the guy that you choose to go with moving forward. Mm-hmm. If not, I need to understand from this regime, when? <laughs> like, when are you taking that shot on a guy? Yeah. Because it just seems like that's that'd be three years in a row where they pass on a guy within their range of draft picks that they say no to. And I'm not saying that they were wrong for passing on Kenny Pickett. I'm not saying they're wrong for passing on Will Levis. And I'm not saying they'd 100% be wrong for passing on McCarthy. It's just that, like, at, at some point, you, you got to throw the dart. Yeah. And I understand I understand their argument of, like, well, we, it's got to be our guy. I get that. You want to be invested in the guy. But, like, you, you have to be willing to swing at some point, even if the guy is not, like, 100% your exact cup of tea. I just think at some point you got you got to make the move. But – to answer your question, I, I would have if like that was the scenario where they they want to get a defensive lineman, trade back a few spots. I'm I'm all for it. Get grab grab another I don't know fourth third fourth round pick whatever that that pick would end up being. Go grab that and get that extra pick that you need and and make that move. I'm I'm all for that. I love that type of scenario. I think trade back in most scenarios if you're not being aggressive trying to get a, a high end player like a quarterback, you know, wide receiver, you know, edge rusher. If there's enough like a log jam at edge rusher D line. Here, yeah, fall back a few spots, grab mm-hmm. that extra capital, and and still get one of those guys within that window. And by the way, McCarthy is the last core. Or no, Bonex, excuse me, Bonex does go to the Patriots at pick thirty in this mock draft. Actually, I could see that. Yeah, the Patriots trade with the Ravens. That's I thought the Ravens were taking Bonex, but no, the Patriots. Uh, tra- <laughs> I was like, that makes no sense. Uh, the Patriots would uh, make a trade with the Ravens, and they go grab Bonex as their uh, next QB one. So, yeah, very interesting mock draft. I wouldn't. I know people are anti-trade back from Kwesi because we have PTSD, but if that scenario lays out, accumulating an extra third-round pick, I'd be all for it. But I agree with both of you. If you've identified McCarthy and or, and or on Miles Point, when the hell are you ever going to do this? Take your shot, and if you love him, do it. Don't be afraid of the consequence. We're going to have a lot of these situations, scenarios, mock drafts, on Purple Daily on Draft um, every week here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel and podcast feed. Uh, boys, same time next Monday. Sound good to me? Sound good to you, I should say? Yes, sir. All right. Perfect. Uh, Purple Daily on Draft every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button, Daily Vikings Entertainment.